Hi, this is episode 165, Two Teachers Talking, and uh, here today with myself, Tony Silva, and Charles Wiz. And we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence, chat GPT, how that affects us in the classroom and outside of the classroom, um, and... Hopefully, we talked about this last, this earlier this year, I think in January, and the dust has started to settle a little bit, and we thought that we needed a second look, uh, because I, I think a lot of people at the end of last year, beginning of this year, were kind of knocked off balance by this um, new development and uh, what it meant, and so we're going to try to kind of unravel that a little bit, both uh, from... Um, Hard tax, just a practical aspect, but as well as uh, maybe a bigger overview, philosophical aspect to it. That cover it, Charles? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know what we're going to try to do that. It's, <laughs> this is one good, naughty, thorny problem. And it's not just a, a difficult or challenging issue because of the technology, but it involves not only our approach to technology, our approach to innovation, but how we approach teaching and learning. And that is what I think it's so difficult to deal with, Tony. There's just well, so for, much. Yeah, it really forces us to step back and like think about what it is that we're actually doing, <laughs> or what it is that we think that we're doing, what we are doing, and uh, with these new tools for the teacher and the student, um, how does that change all of that? So it's, it's, it's not an easy time. And I'm thinking, when's the last time that there was some innovation that so drastically affected people and turned the discussion in teaching towards a certain topic. Uh, of course, there's the you know PC and machine translation, but none of those things that I can remember seem to have the impact that the general AI kind of, you know, large language model, chat GPT innovations have. Yeah, if you go back a little bit in time and only you know, impacting certain aspects of education, the only thing that might have been close was the calculator. Mm. Right, and before that and would have so been they, the Suddenly slide. it's like, okay, we got calculators, so now we don't need to teach math anymore. What? <laughs> and that's something we have to talk about, which is uh, what I'm going to call the knee-jerk reaction to technology is that anytime um, you know, well, there are early adopters or people who see a new technology and they jump on it. Most teachers do not um, jump on new technologies. And my sense is that most educators actually have a negative reaction to technology. And I'm thinking again, the calculator is a perfect example where, Oh, we can't teach math anymore. It's like, no, actually, it just changes the way you teach math. It's, it automates a certain aspect of the, you know, arithmetic, you know, arithmetic math situation. But 
if we just go through and just ask people, ask our listeners to just suspend any reaction or negative feelings towards the chat GPT kind of AI models for a little bit, that will help us and allow us to explore, I think, things in a little bit more depth and maybe open up some possibilities, but also allow us to challenge some of our ideas about teaching and our assumptions about teaching and learning. How's that for a philosophical statement? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well said, Charles. Okay. Um, and we're going to be talking about yeah a lot of different aspects of this. We're talking about I like, can maybe first just um, outside of the, you know, the classroom itself, but just like how this new set of tools uh, can maybe make the teacher's job a little bit easier, and how you might want to use it. Um, actually, how to use it then and then, maybe using it in the classroom and how you might use it in things, and then finally uh, how we might use it with assessment tools, assignments, and so forth. And um, I just want to, we're probably going to end up going pretty quickly through this, but um, just give you a heads up now, and I'll do it at the end of the podcast, that there's a pretty extensive uh, list of works cited, a bunch of links, basically, um, on uh, on our webpage, you know, a webpage, throwback almost, sounds, sounds old-fashioned. Uh, two Teachers Talking, no, no spaces, dot com. Uh, and uh, you can do a little further diving there if you think that that's uh, warranted. And I think it is. And I think it's especially warranted if you have like a negative um, appreciation. <laughs> it's an interesting term. Oh, yeah, if you know, it's, like, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural... Fear reaction, or, right. a knee-jerk reaction, is thing. But it's like the more you, do, it, it it can't hurt you to learn more. Okay, correct, right? Never can. And we're not saying that this is a great thing or this is a bad thing. What we're really trying to do is just show how it can be used and how it affects the classroom and some possible ways for teachers to adapt to this new world, because Very this well is said. not the end. This is not the end. And I want to just segue here for a second, Tony. So, you know, I'm coming up with uh, the semester's coming up. And actually, when this podcast comes out, it'll be the beginning of October. And I was actually starting to go through and I think, okay, you know, my freshman students are 18 years old. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to, like, show all the technical advantages or not tech advantages, all the technical developments, technological um, innovations that has occurred in their life. And then I'm going to look at the previous 18 years. And then the previous 18 years for that. And I'm going to try to create like a timeline to show them just how fast things are now moving. So That's really cool. Yeah, but it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should just ask ChatGPT to do it for me. But you could. I could. And we will talk about and that's things like this. And that's, like, that's a really good point, right? Because that's exactly one of those ways that these new tools make our teaching job way, way easier. Right. But before we go on and explain that, which yeah. I created a very nice segue for that, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the segue back. Can you take a segue? <laughs> can, you, can you take a segue back? Can I revoke the segue? But the point is that you need, as an educator, just to get used to this. This is, I think, going to be a recurring phenomena, a recurring uh a recurring occurrence. 
<laughs> and there you have Nietzsche's, you know, eternal recurrence, right? But this is going to happen more and more over time. And learning how to adapt to these kind of innovations, I think, is something teachers have to do. So instead of just throwing it away and trying to ignore it, this is a real good time for people to embrace the change, get used to it, and develop strategies for at adapting in the future, okay? That's, so. a, that's a doubly good point, and I think it's probably doubly good in a way that you probably weren't aware. So you're talking about like the teacher, like us. Um, there's this new thing that you know, comes down and drops in our lap or you know, whatever, um, and it's not going away. And we have no choice but like to adapt to it. And so at one, at one level, our task is to adapt to this new thing. But this kind of, this event, this kind of event is going to continue to occur. We're going to, this is going to happen again in X years. Ten? Two? One? We don't know. One? Exactly. We don't know. But, but this is going to, this is going to happen. It's going to happen with increased frequency. And by extension, and then this completely other level, this is part of what has become necessary for us to teach our students, because we don't, as, you know, we don't have any idea what their world is going to be like five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. But we can teach them is how to adapt when one of these technology events. <laughs> occurs and suddenly the world is a different place um teachers can't escape that and certainly our students can't escape that and we can't predict with any certainty whatsoever what it's going to be like x number of years from now but what we can help them do is how to incorporate adapt to uh the unknown uh events tools, changes that are going to be coming with increased frequency in their lives. And that's a, a really good point also. And it kind of leads into this way of thinking that maybe we should be modeling, you know, adapting new technologies, dealing with new technologies you know, for our students, modeling and sharing with them what we're do, doing, what we're trying to do, what we're going through, how it affects us, because that's going to help them prepare for that unknown, unpredictable future. So the idea is that we're actually modeling a certain kind of behavior that might or probably will be useful for them in terms of, hey, new technology comes down the pipe, you got to deal with it. Or you can, you know, play ostrich and stick your head in the ground. Which one? Anyone using ChatGPT fails the course. Right, exactly. Or you <laughs> cannot use any AI or machine translation for any assignments. Right? And we can go back to, remember when um, Wikipedia was banned? Vaguely, yeah. 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 It was the idea. Wikipedia came up and teachers were like, if you use Wikipedia, you'll fail. Instead of saying, hey. You know, Wikipedia is a starting point, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Okay. We're getting ahead. So we've laid down the philosophical or, you know, the, the pedagogical, you know, whatever you want to call it, foundation for where we're going with this. So let's start with, hey, how does this benefit teachers? 
How does something like ChatGPT make our lives easier so that we can be more focused in the classroom, providing our students with more direct connection, for example, right? Would you agree? Right. Okay. Uh, what are your ideas? I got a bunch. You always have a bunch. You always have a long I got a bunch. Because um, back in spring, when the things were still kind of crazy new here, um, I did a presentation here in Mexico at the uh, Arkansas State University branch and um, about, about AI and about ChatGPT. So I'm, I'm prepared. So um, for the teacher, and it's if you haven't played with it, that's what the first. Wait, just go play. Excuse me. Excuse just go me. Exp- yep. Pause the podcast <laughs> right now and go play with it and then come back. It's a really there you important go. Point. Good idea. <laughs> I like that. I thought he was pausing me. <laughs> He's no, pausing, pausing you. you. I'm, I'm but yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you haven't if you haven't done that, just go spend several hours playing around with this device and try to like whether it's like a verbal thing with the ChatGPT, whether it's Dolly with its images, just go see what's possible, what's not possible, <laughs> what works well, what doesn't work well, and and then this will all make a whole much more sense. And we need to invoke Ray Bradbury, is it, or Arthur C. Okay. Clarke, who said Ooh. that all new technology is considered to be magical in the beginning. Indistinguishable. Indistinguishable from magic. magic. There we go. I think it's Bradbury, right? Yeah, I did. I'm not sure about about. it. I think most people I know who who picked up ChatGPT at the beginning were just like, wow. It's magical. It's magical what it can do. So it's important for any listener who has not played with it to at least play around with it, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and then come back to the podcast so we can share our ideas with you and they'll make sense. Okay. Right. Cause it's just so, amazing what, what it can do. And it's amazing what, how it screws up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. The limitations are truly fun <laughs> and amazing, but we're going to get it into it. It can that. be, it gets to be fun. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with how teachers can use it. So okay. let's go with so, your uh, I'll just, pre-prepared just like rat a tat a tat because just okay. to get through it, right? Curriculum design. Just tell it, create a curriculum, a 15-week curriculum, what level, what topic, what subject, what scope, what needs to be included. Go. Boom. It's done. Syllabus design. So you've got one class, and it's like, okay, I've got to teach a class in Hemingway this semester, or I've got to teach a class in business in- introduction, business English. What needs? To, what what points should be included? Give me ten critical points, or just make the whole design, or the whole class, uh, and a final exam. <laughs> you can do that too. Um, feed it the specific. Uh, criteria. It's like, you know, make a test about, make a quiz about. Um, I've done this because I'm, I'm teaching a, uh, do a volunteer teaching with a Ukrainian student. Um, now she's a graduate student in mu- museology and she was having trouble with like the past perfect tense and the past perfect continuous tense. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and make a 30 item quiz. 
I'm going to have chat GPT say, okay, make a 30 item quiz <laughs> contrasting the past. And it did. And you, you, you check it, of course, but there it was. And that was our lesson for the week. Um, lesson plans. Hey, make a lesson plan on whatever you're teaching. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to use it word for word. It's going to come up with things that you might not have thought of. <laughs> it's going to save you all kinds of time. Um, when you are thinking about like presenting something to your class, uh, you have a topic in mind, a specific or general. Um, just tell tell the bot and say, okay, give me um, 500 words summarization of whatever at the junior high school level <laughs> for our university students. Um, and there you've got it. And so you've got the foundation to work with that makes your class preparation a lot easier. Example generation. This is one of the things that Chat uh, GPT excels at. Give me 10 examples of doesn't matter whether it's sort of grammatical usage, whether it's a sociological problem. Um, careful when you get into the sociology and the ethics, though, because that's where it tends to stumble a bit. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But if you want, uh, you know, for example, of like uses of the future, um, you maybe want to make examples of I will or I'm going to. Uh, give me 30 examples. Um, after you have done something, you've made something, for example, a lesson plan or uh, something that you plan, you know, a PowerPoint, whatever it might be, ask GPT to evaluate it. Say, yes. Okay, yes. hey, please evaluate this as a presentation for X audience, uh, a time limit of 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, just give me an evaluation. Tell me how I did. Um, you're going to give an assignment to students. Give the assignment to the GPT, and that's and when when your student hands in something that's very very similar, it won't be the same because it's different from person to person. But it'll give you a taste of what a GPT assignment produced assignment looks like or sounds like. And believe me, if you if you read three or four of them, you'll smell it. It's 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 pretty identifiable. Not, if you do one, no, it's like, oh, gee, this is fantastic. This is be writing better than you know any of my students could do. <laughs> exactly. See, but you know what to look for. You know what absent, what mistakes are not there, and and the specific generic language that uh, the GPT will use. Um, maybe you've got. Uh, a meeting that you're going to do, and you're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, more you know, more strict admission standards or ethics, or say, say, okay, I'm going to do a meeting, and the main topic is X or Y or Z, and it says this is for a university, and the meeting is 45 minutes. What would be a good agenda? It's probably not usable verbatim, but it probably gives you a pretty good basis and a pretty good start and things to look at and see and think about and maybe some things that you hadn't thought about. Um, for yourself, if you're doing teaching some kind of literature, um, okay, you're teaching Moby Dick, maybe 
yeah, okay, yeah, you read it a few times, a number of times. Maybe you haven't read it in a year or two. You're going to get into the classroom. Well, maybe you want a little brush up. It's like, okay, hey, GPT, give me a character analysis of Captain Ahab. Or uh, Ishmael. Can <laughs> I like, interrupt for a second? Who, who's, who's this Ishmael guy? I'm done. Thanks. Go ahead. Please. Yeah, I just you just reminded me that somebody used ChatGPT and said rewrite Moby Dick from the perspective of the whale. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That Isn't that like great? One of my assignments. That's just brilliant. <laughs> it's just brilliant. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. You meant to interrupt. Sorry. Anyway, please continue. Well, yeah, you did mean to interrupt, and I, and and it was your timing was great because that was my last item. Okay. All right. So let me add on to a little bit about that. I think. Hmm. By the way, I wanted to say that your idea of, for example, if you make a writing prompt or you make some questions that need to be answered by students, and then giving those to ChatGPT so you can see what a ChatGPT answer looks like, I think it's just brilliant. It's yeah. just brilliant. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to assign this uh, essay topic, right? and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask ChatGPT to generate the answer, and then I'm going to reword it a little <laughs> bit, very, you know, make some variation in the prompt. Um, you know what I'm asking ChatGPT on the essay question. Get a couple of different variations and then go over those so I'm familiar with them. It's going to make it much easier for you to identify, you know, which students oh, may yeah. have used it. That's a really good idea. I like that idea. So, and uh, and, and your idea uh, suggestion that people go play a little bit with uh, GPT before like listening to the rest of the podcast because um, the magic is in the prompts. Yes, we'll talk and about that. Yeah, and you know, like really how you learn to manipulate uh, you know, what goes in comes out and the results that you get are so so totally key to into what you put in. Right, and I'm going to talk about that when we talk about how to use it in class. Okay, cool. That's something Good. I want to address. But a couple of the up next. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I want to add a couple of extra things. One of the ways that I think ChatGPT really can save you an incredible amount of time is you take some text and you tell ChatGPT, um, please create 10 multiple-choice content-based questions with five detractors on the content that I give you below. And so you paste in, let's say, you know, five or six paragraphs or a short you know, article, and it generates those multiple-choice questions. You have to check it to make sure that there's no problems, but it will generate multiple-choice questions, and then you can say – Give me the answers, <laughs> and it will tell you which are the correct answers. So Yes, yes. And you can ask them to produce it with answers, without answers, right. multiple choice, okay. open-ended. Yes. I've done this exact thing with right. my student, and because she's in Ukraine, and she's a museologist, and I'm from Chicago, and I said, include references to <laughs> Ukraine, Chicago, museums, and dogs, because she has a new puppy. Okay. Right. So... You can do that, and you can ask it to create content-based, open-ended content-based questions, etc. And that's really um, a useful thing um, for you to generate, let's say, quizzes on the fly. And this is, for example, you're in the middle of a class, and you think, you know, I'm not sure if students are getting this. And then you just ask ChatGP to generate it, and it's up on the board right away. It takes ChatGPT 30 seconds to do this. So you suddenly can have you know, more adaptability. You can riff more. You can um, 
you know, have more improvisational, you know, um, opportunities in the classroom. The other thing that's really great is to, again, the idea is that you're inputting an article, you're you're feeding something into ChatGPT, for example, an text article, a text or something, you can ask ChatGPT to generate a vocabulary list of, you know, key items on that topic. And it'll make a list of the vocabulary. Or you, for example, you can say, what vocabulary do students need to discuss um, ChatGPT in a classroom discussion? And ChatGPT can generate what it thinks are the key vocabulary. But what's really great is you can tell ChatGPT, create the vo- a vocabulary list of words, of 25 words that students need to discuss artificial intelligence, include the Japanese translation, and put it into table format. And it will <laughs> – yes, exactly. It will – you know, put the English words out. You can tell English words on the left, Japanese words on the right. For example, Japanese words on the left, English words on the right. It puts it into table form. It gives the keywords and it gives a translation. Wow. That's going to save me an incredible amount of time. Now, indistinguishable from magic, yes, as you said. But this is, but I'm about to tell you now the truly magical thing. And I think this is, this is, what is it called? Uh, the killer feature. Okay. Uh, okay. So as I said, you can take a text. So let's say I've, um, I find an interesting article for my students to read. It's, let's say, from the New York Times or it's something you know, from some other text, right? And we want to use it in the classroom. Well, some of the students are going to have good enough vocabulary to read it. Some of the students are going to struggle. And we've already talked about vocabulary coverage and how that impacts comprehension and students' abilities and how they can use a text. You can go in and you can take that text and you can say to ChatGPT, rewrite this text using the British National Corpus, you know, COCO K1 through K5 vocabulary mm-hmm. only. Use simple short sentences of no longer than 15 words. And ChatGPT will rewrite that text at the level you've just asked it. You can actually, I've played around with it. I'm still trying to get it to exactly work, but you can actually even set a TOEFL level for that, right? And then then make a vocabulary list. Right. And then a vocabulary quiz on that. It's like, that's exactly. Right. But what's really amazing is how I started using it is that I would have three versions of the text. Mm-hmm. And I say to my students in the classroom, for those of you who have vocabulary level, and we've checked vocabulary level so they know their vocabulary, level, I say, use this version. For those of you who are at this vocabulary level, use version two. For those of you who are under this level of vocabulary, use version three. Now I have differentiated learning with ease. I have three different levels. The students self-select the proper level for reading. And given the task, I might say to you know the top-level students, use the third version, the easiest version, for fluency practice. In other words, this would have I would never have done this in the past. It's just too much work to rewrite text. It's too much work. It's just too much work. Now I can do this for almost every text I put in to the class. It's just, this to me, this alone makes it worthwhile. 
Yep. It meets with all the needs, right? It's differentiated learning. It allows me to teach to the different levels of the students. I don't have to just aim at a certain level. It gives students choice. It empowers them to say, hey, this is my level. Let me make sure I can properly choose the right thing. I, I think that this is truly the killer feature for language teachers and even content-based classrooms where students might not have enough background information. And that's another thing you can do is you can ask um, – you have a text, let's say, and let's say I want to do a text about artificial intelligence. I can ask ChatGPT to say, for someone who has no uh, – um, has never been exposed to artificial intelligence, what background knowledge do they need? Make a list of key ideas. And, you know, it's just such a time saver. Um, another thing for – let me give an example of how it can save teachers time. Um, I – when for my in my classes when students do presentations they're evaluated by other students so you might have a group of 5 students or 3 students or 4 students small group presentations and they have to use like a google form and i've talked about the anonymous ways that they use google forms with my special student numbering system but it's really really difficult to get for every student you're going to have five different scores and trying to get the average scores and then figure everything out is really time consuming when you have 120 students in four different classes or three different classes i asked chatgpt i said give me the excel formula for how to average get the average for you know five entries per student and then only show the average score for that student and remove all the other rows so that I can simply copy and paste those scores. Uh, you know how much time that saved me this semester? <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> so in other words, even if you're not thinking about using it you know, as um, an in-class or as for, um, you know, another way, the amount of time it can save you just with the kind of Everyday tasks we have to achieve, it's great. But I think your suggestions about how to use it – and um, by the way, the other thing I was thinking, Tony, is when you said have it create like a lesson plan or have it create a syllabus, is after it creates a syllabus, then say, you say to it something like act as a um, EFL um, methods teacher, instructor, write – five questions about the curriculum based on problem-based learning concepts. And it'll generate those questions. And then you try to answer those questions about the syllabus or the lesson plan you just wrote. Very nice way to you know reflect on what you've done and kind of tweak it to improve it. Or you can ask and say, in, in what ways might a director object to this lesson plan? <laughs> Curriculum or syllabus? Have you tried that yet? No. Oh, that, okay, but you're going to have to like. Um, I'm, a, I'm free from. I'm. I am free from that realm. I don't need to think about. But that's anymore. really funny. I'm trying to think of how I would like you know uh, tweak the prompt. How would a director who right. micromanages programs <laughs> and does not well, see that's the beauty dissent, we talked yeah. about it. It's like how how you tweak the prompt. That is the beauty of this. Okay. And when you learn it. How to how to do that? It, it's you, you're gonna you're gonna be happy. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna reward you. All right. And the other thing is that it still requires you to go over these things. It still requires you to review these things and Absolutely. to assess and to assess what ChatGPT has done. And this is a key point, which is 
if you're a teacher, if you're an educator, you have enough training and education and experience to be able to look at what ChatGPT has outputted and say, okay, this part works, this one doesn't. Okay, this is just obviously it has no idea what it's you know talking hopefully, about. Hopefully, hopefully, right? you might yeah. be a little optimistic there, but yes, hopefully. <laughs> but the point is that that's a key thing that you knew still need knowledge understanding and experience to be able to figure out should i use this or not and that's and let's let's, let's put the word out there critical thinking because yes. that's like one of the right. big, big attacks like is that using ai or gpt is like strips like it's, uh, there's no need for critical thinking it's like well actually no <laughs> it, it actually requires more <laughs> if, if you don't want to fall flat on your face Exactly, because otherwise um, <laughs> it's going to put stuff out and your students are going to go out or people are going to go out. But again, this is something I think that's really good to model to students. You know, you say, sure. hey, I want to make a lesson plan on today's topic and you show them the chat GPT first output. You then walk them through and say, ah, so I look at it. This is useful, but I have enough experience to know, no, this is not going to work. Ah, this is an interesting idea. And then you model, say, hey, chat GPT. Um, tell me more about this aspect of the lesson plan. And what you're doing is um, it's removing iron to teaching. But the point is that you can model this behavior of how to use it to students. But again, it's such a time saver in so many ways. And I, especially, uh, you know, for me, making vocabulary lists now with the translations mm. is just, it's so, you know, and then, you know, that just saves so much time. But we should probably move on to the next part, okay. right, Tony? Okay, let's go. Which is in class. You tell me I'm not in class. <laughs> okay, how to use right. how to use ChatGPT in a class? And, and this, this is, is yeah, different this is from what your we realm, just, right? Okay, well, I don't know, but this is different from what we just talked about, which is prep, <clears throat> preparation, right. creating the assignments. So I don't know. This is, I think, where a lot of creativity is going to be. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Evoked, pr um, presented, um, required by or, teachers. Or no, we're going to see a lot of this from people using mm -hmm. ChatGPT in really creative ways. Right now, so for example, in the fall, I have to teach a, a writing class. And I, what I'm going to do, for example, is I'm thinking, okay, I need to get my students to learn how to write concretely and clearly and concisely. And I have certain activities and exercises I've done. For example, describe your room with sentences of 12 words or less. Do not use adjectives. Okay. But so, and I'm trying to teach them just, you know, write clearly, you know, concisely. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have all my students create a chat GPT account. And they're also going to create an account with like Dali or um, what's the name of the mid journey, right? The, and these are AIs that take text input and create images. So for example, you can t tell Dali or Midjourney or any of these AIs, make a photographic um, kind of a photo realistic image of a toy poodle floating on, you know, in a swimming pool, talking on an iPhone. And it'll create an image of a toy poodle and a variety of images. And then, you know, then you have the students keep tweaking your prompt, keep adding or taking out words, etc., until you get the exact image you want. And it might be, 
the second stage might be make a photorealistic image of a brown toy poodle floating in a swimming pool on its back, talking with an iPhone to its ear with its left paw attached to its and its left ear, for example, right? And now my students are getting real experience in just revising and revising until they get the exact image they want. I'm going to have a lot of fun with that, I think. So that's one way to use it, I think, in writing classes. What do you think? Writing classes, there's a lot of different things. Like, like for example, there's a one maybe knee-jerk reactions is like to teachers who want students to produce written output without any kind of assistance. Well, of course, you can do in-class writing, handwriting, that type right. of thing. Um, uh, in the past, I had a course uh, that required was uh, basically its its purpose was to give third year students the mm, um, I'd say writing skills for their senior thesis. But it was the big focus on that was on documentation and citation, um, which is something that ChatGPT doesn't do at all. So you have them, you either give them or have them have GPT produce. Uh, a, a full-blown, you know, dissertation, <laughs> if you like, or an essay, and say, okay, now you've got that. Now you go add the documentation and the citations that would be required for this type of 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 document of item. Um, give them a, a GPT product. Um, and uh, maybe you tailor it depending on you know, how much control you want to do, but you can you know you have the GPT produce something that like skewed toward this. Say okay, find examples of inaccuracy, bias, logical fallacies, stylistic problems in in, in the output, and by having them critique the output, look for the weaknesses and things like that. Um, just in terms of the actual teaching, uh, kind of explain explicitly uh, about things about the writing process and how the actual writing process helps students learn. Um, if the goal of writing is not necessarily the the words on the page, but the process, the actual the goal is actually the process that you the student goes through. Um, in developing arguments, supporting their opinions, uh, and that whole process of critical thinking, um, and in emphasizing that reading, writing, and research are all entwined um, and helps educated people uh, to communicate more clearly, develop original thinking, um, and you know, evaluate other people's claims and, and forming our own judgments. Um, and uh, some people think it, you know, the, like using AI in writing encourages think of writing as uh, something separate, something um, task specific. 
dissociated from the thinking process and the creative process. And, you know, in the classroom, just kind of like emphasizing that, no, 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 no. It's not, this is the, what, the part that the, the GPT does or the AI does. It's, it, it's interesting and it's fun. It's, put, it's scanning all this stuff, putting it all together. And it's, it's interesting, but it's not thinking. And what, you know, you give to them in the assignments or what you're talking about in class is the, the emphasis lies on that application of critical thinking, which is something that the GPD and the AI can't do. Um, so, yeah, um, I, you know, don't have a lot of experience. I don't have any experience in the classroom with the GPT or AI because it's of a timeline thing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. The other thing, um, I want to bring it back a little bit more to some very simple, concrete things. So one thing, for example, is if maybe you're like me and you really require support i don't know which word i want to use (laughs) students to take notes so i'll say read a text here's a text read the text take notes while you're reading of key ideas and main or main concepts and then write like a three sentence summary of the article for what's most important for you then what you can do is after the students have done that you then have them put the text into chat gpt and tell ChatGPT, you know, tell me what are the five main ideas or key points of this text and write a three-sentence summary of the text. And then they can compare their notes to what ChatGPT has done. And this helps them develop their note-taking ability, note-taking skills. Because usually what I just do is I tell students, take your notes. But they are not get, um, I realize now they're not getting any feedback about whether or not their note-taking is good or not or is it adequate enough. And mm. that's just another way that it can be used in class so that students can compare and say, ah, ChatGPT said this was a key point, I missed that, or I included this as a key point, and... Um, you know, ChatGPT didn't include it. So that's just another way to use it in yeah. class. Um, so, in other words, there's just a lot of different ways to get students to use it. But that's also, for example, the problem of critical thinking. As we say, everybody tells us critical thinking is so important. Um, and it's interesting if you ask ChatGPT what are the critical thinking, what are the requi- what skills are needed for critical thinking. But I'm um, Going back, you can, again, input some text or ask ChatGPT, make a list of 10 false assumptions about a topic. So let's say, what are 10 false assumptions about artificial intelligence? Then what are 10 true or reasonably accurate assumptions about artificial intelligence? Mix these up and create, you know, a... an activity where students have to say, this is true, this is false. So you can give that to students, and then students have to assess the veracity of each of those statements. Again, it allows, you know, the students to just take a text, and then they can, you know, self-assess compared to ChatGPT. So I think part of the focus on how we use it in class is that it becomes a very useful tool, or it could potentially become a very useful tool for students to really check their understanding 
in class without teacher intervention or requiring the teacher to give them a quiz. You could then have students, you know, read a text and then they can tell ChatGPT, generate a quiz, a comprehension quiz, generate a vocabulary quiz for me. And um, by the way, there's this one really nice um, use of ChatGPT or feature of ChatGPT, which you can tell it to make, a, you know, 10 comprehension questions, multiple choice, let's say, ask each question one at a time, wait for the response, and then tell me whether or not the answer is correct. And now you've be, you're able to give students or students are able to give themselves a self-assessment quiz in class. So the other ways to use it, um, students who have to write papers, and if you don't want to give them a topic and you want them to generate a topic that's of interest, everyone knows coming up with some good thesis statements is always challenging and difficult and is one of the hardest parts. Go ahead, ask, have them students, you know, ask ChatGPT to make a list of five or so possible thesis sentences for the topic they're interested in, then they have to rank them in terms of which is best. Again, they're getting some ranking, assessment, evaluation experience. The other thing is to um, give them, let's say, a summary of an article. And then, you know, they say, you ask them, okay, for such a, a summary, based on this summary, um, what would be some of the topics you would want to find citations for? And they can then ask ChatGPT the same thing. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to use it. We're just at the beginning of it. But again, the key point here is don't react just negatively to it. Look at it for, as a tool for how students can use it actually in class and out of class that stimulates thinking. You know, the students can, you know, have ChatGPT generate, you know, questions, which is, um, I'm going to be in, you know, if you have a flipped classroom, where I'm going to be learning about uh, the geography uh, of, you know, southwestern Europe, for example. Ask me some questions that will, you know, help me uh, develop some background knowledge, activate schema, for example, etc., so that I'm better ready for the class when it starts. Or what is some additional reading I need to do? In other words, it can be a really good tool for students. So those are just yeah, some couple, of the ways I, and, I think and about it. A couple of it. ideas I had, like a classroom, this bleeds over a little bit into assignments, but like in terms of classroom, it's like you can, you, you as a teacher can uh, create, have GPT generated writing, or you could have the students do it themselves. So, I, so you have this text, whatever it is, with a story or it's an essay, um, created by GPT, and then have the students either individually or in groups in class um, get together and like critique it. And so, okay, what's wrong with this? What what are the weaknesses? What 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 does it do well? What does it do poorly? Um, what do you think? What's your opinion? Um, and uh, a little bit farther, we, we were talking about um, you know, the you know, manipulating the prompts. One way to teach that skill, um, you have you know, put students in groups, um, they have a team, and you have team competition to use GPT to create the best story, however they do it. And uh, then 
that group creates the story, and then the class reads all the stories, and they choose a favorite and explain why they liked it the best. Uh, and just a couple of ideas that I had right. there that like use in the classroom. Yeah, it's it's a good tool for having students work together to evaluate or assess why something is good or why something is not good. And it's kind of an interesting thing because students are hesitant when they're doing peer editing to actually be really critical of each other. Right, but they, they have no reservations <laughs> about dumping on a machine. On dumping on a machine. <laughs> yeah. There's a few other things that can be talked about, but I think it's important that we get into what is, I think, a key issue for most people, and we've been saving this to last, which is the problem of how do we assess students in the age of chat GPT, in okay. the age of AI, because yeah. yeah. we're at the 48-minute mark here. Yeah. And this, I think, is a big issue. And I, I saw this for real in real life when I gave a, a writing assignment, a take-home, a final you know, five-paragraph essay in one of the schools where I teach. And... I got stuff that, you know, didn't look like student writing. Yeah. And recent news has shown, especially I think ChatGPT, OpenAI's own research has shown that AI detectors just don't work and give too many false positives. And yeah. false positives um, are really dangerous. What it means is that it says that a student used AI when they didn't, which means you could possibly be punishing or penalizing a student. Yeah, you really have to be yeah, this, careful. No, this is too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Yeah. If the company that makes the product says, nah, you know what? It was like 20, 25, 26% accuracy, right? Right, which would mean that one out of four students who you think used AI didn't. But I'm more curious about how many <laughs> false negatives there were. <laughs> and this is the problem, I think, that people are wondering about. And yeah. we combine this with machine translation and then grammar checkers. And it's no longer possible for me to assess my students' um, you know, structure, writing the grammar and their syntax. So Correct. this moves us into focusing more on the organization of the paragraph – the organization of the essay and logical thinking. But what we have to really look at is what have we been assessing or how have uh, we been assessing students' work in the past? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, you know, have we been assessing, you know, their creativity or have we been assessing their ability to follow directions um, you know, when we use multiple choice tests, for example, I tell my students in my listening and reading classes, giving students a listening passage and then asking them to answer comprehension questions is not a real world situation uh. because most of the time you're listening for information and you have to decide, do I need to keep this? Is this worth writing down? Is it worth, is it valuable for me in the future? Because when you take a TOEFL test, for example, ask somebody, what do you remember learning from the TOEFL test? <laughs> Because <laughs> you're so focused on just answering the questions. So I think this is a good opportunity for us to assess what we're teaching, you know, and what have we been assessing. The other thing that I've been really struggling with or trying to explore is what's the difference between student-to-student -student collaboration interaction and student-to-machine collaboration and interaction. I mean, are they really that different? Is it 
qualitatively different? Does it make much of a difference? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? And if you think it's a bad thing, think about uh, the introverted student who doesn't want to talk in groups, you know, where group work is hell. Uh, it might help us to look at things differently, but I don't know how much they're different. Um, I haven't been able to, or I haven't done enough work to investigate if there's been any research on this. And the other question is, if using ChatGPT or AI, um, is it changing how the information goes into our students' heads and how it uh, gets bounced around inside their heads and what it does to create you know better understanding so i'm going to finish this part you know my 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 spiel here with the best way i've found um to you know um and i've done this a lot in the past but and it can upset students, is that I give them a problem in class to solve. Let's say I need to assess their performance using, you know, um, let's say a summative test because I have to give a grade, is that I have to give them a problem in a class. They have to solve a problem using what they've been learned in the class, but they've never thought about applying. So let me give an example. Um, I have to teach an independent English learning class. And the goal, the one of the requirements is is that the students have to make a learning plan at the end of the semester to show that they've learned, you know, what's been taught in the class. And what I did one semester, and boy, this really upset the students, is I said <laughs> the prompt was, "You are working at a company, and your boss, your manager comes to you and says, you have to create an app to do X, Y, and Z. You do not know anything about coding. Write or create your learning plan so that you can learn how to code within six months and be able to, you know, create the app your manager has asked for. Now, that uses everything we've learned in the class about, you know, defining problems, brainstorming, the critical thinking, creating a timeline, time management, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was a really good assignment, but the students were really upset with it. But the point is that if I want to check my students' understanding, I can do that in class, but I have to do it you know, as a paper written assignment or something, because they can then go ahead and ask ChatGPT about it. In other words, I don't know exactly how we're going to how we're going to do assessment. I know that my daughter just took a midterm. Or, you know, she has like three midterm exams and a final exam in a class she's taking in her fourth year, and the midterm was open note, not open book, and it was in class handwritten, no computers allowed. So obviously this is a professor who has concerns about, you know, chat GPT submissions. But I think those are the questions we have to address. And I think there's going to be a lot more in-class assessments. Um, I'm probably going to really cut down on homework assignments that I assess Again, emphasizing more, you know, the flipped classroom, but I don't see how I can, 
you know, determine which students have used ChatGPT or AI for their homework assignments and which haven't. And again, if you haven't taught in Japan, you know, students have like 15 classes. They take 15 classes a week, although I'm not sure how much homework they get. But at one of the, you know, the school I teach, the students get a lot of homework. They're looking for shortcuts because of just, you know, time limitations. And also, they might not be interested in the class. It's, you know, human nature to do that. So those are some of the things I think that need to be considered, Tony. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's you really summed it up nicely. I don't know. I think that's probably what ChatGPT generated for me. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, none of this has been done with ChatGPT. This is all original, which might explain the confusion. Yeah, and ditto here. Right. Ditto here. But I think the other approach um, in terms of how we assess students is going to be a lot more short, low-stakes kind of quizzes and assignments. You know, in class. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. You really got to get creative with how you. It, it, it's not easy, right? And I want to go back to what you said: is that ChatGPT is not good at tying things together. It's not good at analysis, and it's not good at creative thinking or understanding. If you are teaching for understanding, and I'm defining understanding meanings. And an indication that the students understand a topic or a subject or an idea is that they are able to connect information, data, in ways that show relations and synthesize it and come up with new ideas. Hmm. So if that's what you're teaching towards, you probably don't have a lot of changes you have to make, let's say, in terms of your in-class assessments. I don't know how well you can tweak ChatGPT, given the prompts and everything. Mm. But I think a simple solution, if you're teaching from the fall and you're trying to deal with this problem, is short, low-stakes, quick quizzes that check understanding. You know, Uh just a one question, you know, pass out a small piece of paper, ask like a question, for example – uh, you know, what are the key points of the discussion we you just had with your fellow students? Write a quick email to your absent classmate about what was talked about in the first group discussion topic. I think we're going to see a lot more of those. And instead of getting overwhelmed by the work, I think what we're just going to have to do is ask students to assess, self-assess you know, the quality of what they did and give them, let's say, you know, an example of an exemplar answer and then have them compare that. So I think that's the easiest solution I've come up with for the fall semester. Lots of, you know, one question quizzes, you know, maybe two per class where I stop the class and ask students to write down on a piece of paper, you know, what are the key points? What do you think? Or apply this, what you've just talked about, to this situation. Then they grade the question. Then a little bit later, on, you ask them to write their answers again on the paper. They grade the question. Then they just submit the papers and as a quiz, and you just enter those quiz scores. Mm. Um, but I can't see giving them homework anymore because, uh, you know, it's... It's just the nature of human yeah, beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a handful. I have a handful of ideas that are a little bit more bridgey, like for people who like maybe take the leap, but who want to like make more traditional things that might 
work? And just to throw them out as maybe some ideas. So, for example, if it's like a reading a novel or a short story, whatever it is, choose a character from the story that you like or dislike, explain why. And here's the connection part that you talked about. Support explanations with examples from your own life. Um, for like I mean, even my more basic type lower level classes, um, depending on what the topic is and, and whatever textbook that you're using, uh, what are the ideas to improve our classroom or your dormitory or your neighborhood? Um, have and, and, and using the GPT, right? So you're using if you're reading a book and stuff. Have GPT produce a character analysis for one of the characters. And then the student then writes the ways they agree or disagree with the analysis. Um, a little bit higher level, you could have students use GPT to interview slash role play. A, this is a little bit more involved. Interview, role play a character from a book. So, for example, and th- this is not my in- entire idea because this is a uh, hybrid of, the, again, that um, work cited Brent Warner there's a lot of his ideas, but it's kind of mixed with mine. Um, use GPT to interview or do a role play with a character in a book. So like he uses the example of Fahrenheit 451. Um, so you choose a character, Guy Montag, Milchard Montag, uh, with the fireman and his wife, uh, Clarice McCullough, like a young girl who's like one of the book readers. Granger, reader of the of the book readers. So okay, so you have them, the GPT, generate this character, and then you go to GTP and you say, okay, let's role play. Uh, we live in the universe of the novel Fahrenheit four fifty one. I will take the role of Guy Montag. You will take the role of Clarice McClellan. When I ask you questions, you give you comments, you respond, blah blah blah, etc. etc. Um, so, after that, I have the students say, okay, what was surprising? What did you learn about the character? What did you learn about the book? Did you note any errors made by GPT? So, again, you have the student assessing the output uh, of GPT. A little bit advanced, a little bit more work, but uh, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, you can give them, you know, assign them a reading, put students in groups, and it helps if the reading has some kind of ethical, moral angle because because GPT doesn't handle that so well. Put the students in groups to discuss their reaction to their opinions of the reading. And the writing assignment, then, is to summarize the opinions and views of the others in the group and write a conclusion summarizing everyone's opinion, your own opinion, and how your own opinion changed. Uh, yeah. Okay, one student written by um, AI, a GPT, one by a student, and have the student, either individual or group, um, evaluate each and choose which is better, why. And choose which uh, one is generated by AI and which one's generated <laughs> by a person. It's too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> That's too hard. I, I don't know that I, I want to take that test. Um, <clears throat> have, uh, have the bot write questions on a reading assignment 
and then have the students evaluate or improve the generated questions. So are these good questions, bad questions? Which one do you like? Which ones we don't? Uh, <clears throat> I like this one. Have students use GPT to write a story that they would like to read. And then have them read the story and critique it. I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot. Um, and the last one that I've got is um, whatever the, the, the text is, the story. Um, look for a, a, one of the characters in this thing. One, one of their decisions and uh, that they made in the text, the story or the book, whatever it is. Um, and you give the students a choice. You know, okay, Hamlet's decision to do this, and, um, and ask the student, uh, would you make the same decision, and explain with examples from your own life. Any any of those the GBT answers impossible. They're they're going to have to produce it themselves. So, for that bridge with a little bit of creativity, a little bit of thinking, you can have traditional type assignments as long as what you're asking is something that, that GPT is not yet <laughs> able to do. Yeah. And I think I want to just kind of stretch it out a little, expand it out more back into this philosophical realm before we wrap this up, which is that when you're deciding on how you're going to use ChatGPT or how you're going to assess students, it's really important to remember that we don't want to penalize the student who's using it in a good way. Yeah. And that's just f too easy to do right now with you know, this attitude of no ChatGPT allowed, yeah. no machine translation allowed, because there are good ways, proper ways, appropriate ways to use these tools. Absolutely. And that's what we really have to teach students. So if you create this world where, no, you cannot use machine translation, you cannot use chat GPT, you ban it completely, the small percentage of students who, for lack of a better word, we would say are cheating or pushing the boundaries of acceptability – they're going to get really creative, <laughs> which, of course, is... <laughs> it's what a losing battle. We're trying you're to gonna lose. Right. It's an arms you're race, lose. right? So instead, if you remove the penalty of using it, but have some kind of negative feedback or penalty for using it in a less than optimal way, you're getting very different results from students. And I sure. think that's an important way to approach the assessment. Um, if you're not comfortable with this, if you don't like technology, as I said, move to more in-class assessments, short, quick in-class assessments, you know, um, and you're fine. I like what you talked about. But the other thing I was thinking about, Tony, is when you said apply it to your own life. Mm. And we talked about this before. What you want to do is on the first day of class is basically give students homework and say – you know, for, you know, from like, let's say age five until age 20, let's say if that's the age of your students, write three key events in your life for each of those years, three key memories. And then you have that on file. And then you can ask students uh, in a, in, in a, for a homework assignment, you know, go back to when you were 15 years old and, um, you know, something that was important, one of your important memories, and explain how this 
essay connects to that experience, if you had, let's say, an advanced class. I'm just giving an example here. And if you're curious as to whether or not the student just used ChatGPT, all you have to do is look up that student's, you know, kind of like sure, biography. Memories, right? Yeah, and say, wait, this kid, you know, this memory is not in here. And yeah. Well, that's but that's always educationally sound, though. I mean, just like the, right. kind of the very get-go. It's like tying whatever you're having them read or whether they're going to write about and having that tie into their real lives. That's a, that's a, a big thing. get from the very beginning. But this is why I don't think ChatGPT or AI is a bad thing. I think it's going to force us to go back to those principles. Even yeah, yeah, it's, so. a, it's a bad thing. It means the more work we have to like think a different way, we have to be right. more creative and like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But overall, it's neither good nor bad. It's just it's just a change. Exactly. And yeah, and you, you're gonna have to adapt. You're right. gonna have to adapt. That's period. Yeah, that's, that's it. A deal. Just deal. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to adapt. But by itself, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's it's how you use it. It's another tool in the toolkit. There you go. Right. In the same way that dictionaries are or, you know, again, Wikipedia or et cetera. These are starting points. Grammarly. We've, we've right. talked about that a lot. Right. And uh, how you uh, use Grammarly. Exactly. Do you just, you know, t- you know, let students use Grammarly to fix their grammar? To or pro- do th- you know, produce something else or, right. or is it a learning tool? Right. And do you say, hey, please highlight three sentences that Grammarly corrected for you and explain what you got wrong? Yep. You know, it's how you teach it. It's that's yep. the key. But I think we're going on quite a bit here, Tony. It's a yep. little bit longer than usual, so I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Yeah, uh, and we covered a lot. We got a lot in. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes this semester. Okay, so is it a wrap? It's a wrap. It's a wrap. I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva, and we're two teachers talking. And please check the website for. The list of links that Tony is providing. Yeah, right. There'll be a long list of like work cited and things, and that's twoteacherstalking.com. No punctuation except for that. Okay. All right, Tony. Well, listen, you be well, and Yay. thanks for the discussion. All righty. Okay. Bye now. Take care. <laughs>